Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Optive Theology Podcast. My name is not Andy Schmidt, to the great surprise and chagrin to most of you. Uh, however, I am interviewing Andy Schmidt today. Yes. Yes, you are. There he is. Uh, we are doing a test, another testimony podcast today. And uh, today we are going to be having Andrew, middle name Schmidt's testimony um, here on the Optic Theology Podcast. So we're, we're very excited to have him, yeah. to have him on. Wow, thanks for having me on the podcast, John. Uh, it's just an honor. Glad we could finally get you on. Um, we've been trying hard for the past several podcasts to get you on, and it's just, it's just good I, to have you here. You know, and I listen to this podcast a lot, and I and I was just honored when I got the phone call. I got the call from Nick. He said, "We want you. We want you to share your testimony." But, and I was like, "But he was Absolutely. he was like he was like we want you to share your testimony, but I don't want to be there." So that's yeah. He he did not want to have anything to do with it, but he wanted it done. That's what it's just you and me. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so we're doing these uh, these testimony podcasts um, just to get to know a little bit more about um, the three guys who are on the Optive podcast, and then beyond that, we're going to be interviewing more people of how they came to how they came to faith, how they came to know Jesus, and what sort of stories are involved in that. Um, part partly these are meant to be an encouragement to you. Um, because I think it, I think it is really important for us to hear each other's stories and for us to hear just the different ways that God interacts with each of us. Um, and I think it's a, it's a cool way. So one, it's just a cool way to be encouraged and to be encouraged in the, the different kind of ways that God works. And I think it's also good to, to hear different perspectives of how, how God interacts with different people. Um, as we're talking about theology and as we're talking about different cultural topics, in this podcast, it can be easy to, um, to really get into like, okay, this is the, this is the one way of thinking about this. Um, but I think it's, it's important to, to also recognize that God interacts with each person, um, and their story kind of in a different way. Not that, that, that means that there isn't a quote unquote one right way or something like that. But, um, I think it's important for us to recognize that God is doing a lot of different things in a lot of different people in a lot of different ways, meeting where they're at. So I think it's, it's cool to be doing these, these testimony podcasts. Yeah. So, um, I think we're just going to, we're just going to jump right into it this week. So Andy is here to share his testimony. Uh, I've known Andy for the last couple of years and it's been, it's been, I've personally just really enjoyed seeing what Andy's <laughs> testimony has been like and the ways that he's, he's grown and changed and, uh, the ways God met him where he was at. Um, and I'm sure he'll share more about that, but Andy, why don't you just jump right in and tell us, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, that was a long, that was not a long intro. It was way better than all my intros. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so we've, we've got a new host starting this yeah. week. It's me. I'm firing myself. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's okay. Uh, well, yeah. Um, I will start. I will start just like like you did that I grew up in a Christian household, but I think that my Christian household was a, was a little bit different than what most Christian households were like. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents will be doing their testimonies on this podcast, and so I'm not going to get into a lot of detail about their stories because I want them to share it. But my testimony might actually make more sense after you listen to theirs. <laughs> but I'll just say that. My dad grew up in a ho- household with a with an alcoholic father, um, 
and he was doing drugs and drinking at a young age. And my mom grew up in a Catholic household. She got pregnant when she was like 19. Um, so they got married when they were like 20 or something. And then they had me like a couple years later. And so they had no clue what they were doing. They were new Christians. They already had one kid. My older brother, um, so who my mom, my mom got pregnant when she was 19. That's my older brother. His name is Aaron. Had him. Um, she had him and then she got married to my dad a couple years later. And then they had me a couple years after that. Uh, so I think with that being, with that being said, you kind of get a little bit of a background. I don't want to give it away too much. Yeah. yeah look um, forward to those. Look forward to those episodes. Cause we, my, my wife and I, uh, had Andy and his parents over for dinner. Like, what was that last week? And yeah. it was hearing their story was one hilarious and two, just really <laughs> incredible. It really incredible. The ways that God has worked in yeah. lives and, and brought them out of just some crazy stuff. Yeah. So, it's cool. We definitely we laugh about it now, but when it was <laughs> happening, we were we were surely crying. Yeah. It was it was terrible. <laughs> so so yeah, just look forward to that. It'll they'll be up, and then my aunt's testimony, which which plays a role, and so you're gonna get to hear about the whole Schmidt family, which might might be good, might be the worst thing you ever experienced in your life, whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, there was there were there were a lot of jokes while they were telling us their stuff, and they're like, yeah, and this is uh, this is how the Schmidt family didn't get invited back to John and Christina's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, we were waiting for John and Christina to kick us out. That's yeah. basically what what we were doing. Uh, so yeah, those are my parents. I grew up in that household. So so I I, I grew up in Madison. I was born in the West Side. Um, I grew up till I was six years old in Madison. I actually went to High Point up until you grew up I was until you were six old. years old. So I, I in and Madison, now you've, now I was, sort of stayed at that age, and now I'm, I'm still six, <laughs> and that's it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for doing this. Maybe I'll stop making comments. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I grew up. So I was six. I grew up in Madison, and then when I was six years old, we moved to a, sm- uh, a small town of like 30, 45 minutes outside of Madison called Sock Prairie. Um, we went to High Point. I was dedicated as a baby at High Point in 1999. Um, 90s baby. 90s were crazy. Michael Jordan, Beyonce. I don't even know. <laughs> That's real. Uh, <laughs> Those are important years. Cra- crazy time for me. 1999. Uh, grew up and yeah, six years old. So my dad didn't go to college. My mom did, but she was taking care of me and my brothers. So she, I think she worked part time and my dad worked full time as a maintenance man. Um so we didn't have a ton of money growing up and they wanted to move out to like a smaller town where they get to get a bigger house. Basically they bought into the hoax that a lot of Americans buy into that, like a bigger, a bigger house will make you better. <laughs> and so <laughs> they, they went and they were like, all right, we're going to move to this small town, you know, 30, I say like 40 minutes outside of Madison. So when I was six years old, I went to half my year of kindergarten at high point school. Oh, baby. That's right. Mrs. Cook. I, I think she's still there. I don't yeah, know if she I, is, but she's my... Uh, I'm not sure what her role is now, but yeah, at one point she was the superintendent, so... Yeah, so we so I, I grew up, and I, I went to half year there, and then and then halfway through the year, my parents like were moving to Sauk Prairie, and I remember it being hard for my older brother. He cried a lot because he was in like fourth or fifth grade. He had made more friends. Um, I, w- I, I mean, it was hard for me, but I was like six or seven. I didn't really care. So we moved to Sauk Prairie and 
I think that that was the worst decision that my parents ever made. There was a lot of bad decisions that my parents made. I think that was the worst one that they ever made. Uh, I absolutely can't stand that town. <laughs> we we go there, and I'd never been to. I, I kind of grew up. Uh, everything that I did was Christian, you know, like you go to Christian school, you go to church, I go to Sunday school, Awanas, and then they throw me into the public schools. And even though I'd only been in the like Christian, um, school for half of a, half of a school year, I still was only around Christians. All my friends were Christian friends growing up. Everything was Christian. That's all we did. So you throw, they throw me into the, to the secular, this public school system. And I, I go in there as like a six, seven year old. And I think like, I mean, I remember in kindergarten, I would bring a Bible because we would have reading time and then nap time. And I'd bring a Bible and I'd make my friends read it, which I don't <laughs> think that they enjoyed that. But, but I was aggressive evangelism yes. from a young age. From a, from a young age, I was very aggressive <laughs> with evangelism. I really wanted people to read the Bible. Um, but as I grew up in the, <clears throat> in the public school system, you know, I got to like first grade and my teacher was an extreme liberal. Um, and I'm, I'm, and if you're a liberal, I'm just going to say right now, I don't, I mean, I don't view them very highly. And so when I say they're a liberal, it's not a good thing. So I'm, I'm sorry for whoever's listening to this, who doesn't like that. I, I don't really care. This is my testimony. Uh, <laughs> but basically there's extremely liberal. My family is very conservative. And we, I remember like the first time that I, you know, I really struggled with authority was probably when I was in first grade because my we were doing a class play based on this book that we read. And at the end of the book, it says in God, in God's eyes, we're all the same. And I was like, oh, that's really good. And so we had all the parents come and and it was this big performance where all the kids like, you know, they all like sing a little part of this thing. And then the parents clap. And it's like it's honestly a pretty crappy production, but it's like first graders so you have the parents in there and then afterwards you hang out with the parents and and while we were practicing for the play the teacher was like we're gonna switch that line to in our eyes we're all the same mm. and when i was in first grade i was like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. that is not first that's not what the book says mm. um so you're wrong and second like i'm a christian and i believe in god so i raised my hand and i said to my teacher i was like listen i don't think that that's i was like i actually want it i want to say in god's eyes we're all the same and she was like, we're not going to, she kind of lost her crap. And she said, we will not be saying that you will not be saying that. Mm. And that like really hurt because again, like I'm seven, eight years old at this point, most of the authority in my life doing a great job. My parents doing a great job. My old teachers doing a great job. I looked up to adults. I loved them. Looked up to my dad, looked up to my mom. This was kind of a, a little stab to the heart, but nothing, nothing I couldn't get past during the play. Everybody says in our eyes, I, I yelled out in God's eyes uh, and I got chewed out <laughs> by the teacher. I got in big trouble for doing that. She did not like that. Uh, but I did what I wanted to do. And so so the reason I'm saying is at, at a young age, I. It wasn't like I was doing that to cause problems, because because up until this point, I just like didn't want to cause problems. I just wanted to do what I thought was the right thing. And I was just a little kid. And so so this will all make more sense while I'm telling you this later on in the story it'll it'll make more sense right i i wanted to do the right thing it was inside of me i was like i'm gonna do it regardless of the consequence um so i did and i got i got chewed out by the teacher and i was in first grade so it kind of hurt so you go on i had a good teacher in second grade she was really nice miss anderson shout out miss anderson she's a goat uh third grade fourth grade the goat She's dude, Miss Anderson. Listen, I have very little respect for teachers in general. Miss Anderson is the best teacher I've ever had. Dang. Like by 
second grade she told me that she i told her i was gonna become the president in her class i was a second grader i remembered all i memorized all the presidents in order i all these things were just good times good times the second grade it was good time um i'm not gonna go through every single grade i'm sorry I, i'm just i'm trying to get to the point right, I'm just, so how is so, third grade so third grade <laughs> yeah. was was a little bit better fourth grade fourth grade i had a teacher um i maybe i shouldn't be name dropping i had a teacher in fourth grade who was an absolute jerk and she you know she she just wouldn't let me express how i felt fifth grade had a good teacher and then i get into middle school and so up until this point you know i played sports i played basketball played football um i was pretty good at both of them uh but the thing with basketball is that i started playing basketball at a younger age me and my dad would go out and play basketball and my coach or my my dad would uh we would watch we if, i don't know if anybody on this remembers when you could order movies off of netflix mm. to your house you could order movies to your house that's what we did yeah baby <laughs> and yeah that's the old day so we ordered we would order the old um 1980s and 1990s finals and playoffs and my dad we like wouldn't he like we didn't have cable but he like he was like that's not the best basketball is 80s and 90s so we watched 80s and 90s basketball that's all we watched and so I, lo- I began to absolutely love the game of basketball. And so my dad got me a, a basketball hoop in the front yard. We had a pretty big driveway, and, and we put tape out for the three-point line and for the free-throw line. And I would be out there every day playing and, and stuff, and I joined the basketball team, and I, I made the B team, which which is, which is I mean, you're like fourth-grade, fifth-grade kid. Why, why on earth is there an A team, B team, and C team? It makes absolutely no sense. All, all the kids can barely walk. So uh, I make the B team, but I'm like, whatever. I'm I, I like playing basketball, and and I I but I but it really but I was like very competitive, and I was like, I'm gonna make the A team next year. I really want to make the A team. So I, I work my butt off. I do a summer league. I have uh, I get way better over the summer. Um, then I go and I try out again, and I make the B team again. And that was like, okay, what's going on here? I'm clearly one of the best players here. This is this isn't making sense. Uh, one of the kids' dads was a coach. It was a very political thing. I'll get more into that later on as well. But I kind of so so I had my my first teacher, a couple of teachers that I that I was like, okay, these adults aren't really here to do the right thing. They're here to do what's in the best interest for them or their family. And so. Uh, we get to middle school and this is kind of up until this point in my life, everything is fine. Like everything is actually this fine. You know, I don't make the 18 for basketball, but I'm fine. You know, my parents seem like they're rock solid. Mm-hmm. We have a nice house. We, have, my dad's getting raises. We're starting to make more money where it's for the first time in like our entire, my entire life and my mom and dad's entire life that we're like not suffocating in debt and mm-hmm. like everything doesn't suck. And um, Dave Ramsey. Well, yeah, shout out to Dave Ramsey, but also everything absolutely goes to garbage from here. So from here to to when I to when I'm 18 is when everything starts to just go crazy. Um, so basically, when I was in sixth grade, uh, my dad had struggled with something, and he'll probably talk about it a little bit more in his pot and his that he does. But he he struggled with something and something happened like 10 years earlier and he got he felt very convicted about it. And basically it was something that he had done 10 years earlier that if he told his employer that he did it, he would have gotten fired. Hmm. Um, 
and but he felt very he felt like god was like you need to do this and mm-hmm. uh, you need to tell your employer or you need to tell somebody mm-hmm. and he thought he and it was a thing that went on for like months and he was talking to my mom and my mom was like if you my mom is big in security she wants to be secure basically financially secure she likes financial security and so the things were actually going good for the first time financially for us so she was like if you turn yourself in i'm going to kick you out of the house mm-hmm. um and i i knew that that happened so i remember I, I go to school one day and i get home and i i remember the day my mom just was in the living room like kind of crying and i was like Whoa. like i knew that he turned himself in. So my dad mm. turned himself in. He lost, he lost his job and my mom kicked him out of the house. Mm. And she asked me that night. She was like, listen, I can, you don't have to go to basketball practice. I had basketball practice that night. She's like, you don't have to go to back basketball practice. And I was like, um, I'm going to basketball practice. <laughs> I don't want to think about this. Mm. This hurts very bad. And I like border. I kind of hate both of you. So I'm going to go to basketball practice. So I go to basketball practice and, from that day on, it was basically like, I go, I come, I go to school, I come home, I put my backpack away, um, grab my basketball, go outside in the front yard, play basketball till it's dark, mm-hmm. five, six hours sometimes every day, and um, then go to bed and do it all the next day. Yeah. And I and I and I didn't really know what was going on. Um, my dad w- I, I see. I don't know exactly how long he was kicked out it felt like a very long time but he would stop by because he lived um he was also an elder oh man i i gotta my my brain i do this sometimes my brain (laughs) does things out of order um my my dad was an elder at a church in sock prairie Mm -hmm. for a while he had stopped being an elder he turned himself in the church that we were going to basically abandon our family like basically completely abandoned nobody talked to us anymore we stopped going Everybody just ignored us and nobody talked to me. I'll tell you that. They basically ignored me. Mm-hmm. Um, and my older brother, he already had a dad who had moved away to Costa Rica and hadn't really been involved in his life. We had adopted my younger brother at this point. Um, and my younger brother's dad, one day when he was a kid, um, said, I'm going to go to the grocery store, got up and left and never came back. Mm-hmm. And then his mom was like, in prison in and out of prison he was like my little brother was homeless for a while so we so so basically every every kid in our family is crappy crappy issues with their dad it's Mm -hmm. like and so this happening was just a layer on top of that and so i remember my dad would come um back and visit and i remember one time he came and and me my little brother and my older brother were out in the garage and i could see my older brother becoming increasingly angry over the years Mm -hmm. And my dad was crying and I was crying for some reason just because we all hated the situation. And I looked up to my dad far more than I think my brothers did because they had some other issues that I didn't really have to deal with. I, I had a two parent home. Right. They didn't get that. Right. And so. Right. And I think the I mean, right. Like this was your dad as opposed to each of the other guys had <clears throat> had a mm-hmm. different dad who they even if even if obviously your dad was playing the, the role of being their dad. Yeah. Like they they sort of knew right. that it wasn't wasn't their dad. And my dad did a terrible job of playing that role for my older brother, and he'll admit it. Um, but they, th- we were crying. I was crying, and he was crying, and I maybe my little brother was crying. I don't know if he knew why he was crying because <laughs> he's little at that point. But everybody was crying, and my older brother wasn't crying. And 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 I remember my dad looking at 
like me and my older brother and my younger brother being like, do you miss me? And I was like, yeah, I miss you so much. Like crying and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I like actually did. And my older brother looked at him like dead in the eyes. And he was like, no, I don't miss you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? Like that like messed me up. I was like, what is wrong with you, dude? You could see like hatred in his eyes. It was like, no, I don't miss you. It felt like he was saying, I hate you. And so my dad left and then, and, uh, during this time growing up, my dad was always like, don't watch porn. Don't watch porn. Don't masturbate. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to say it in the pot. Don't masturbate bad. Don't watch porn. Don't masturbate. The don't words do it. Have don't, been do it. Said. don't do it. They've been said. I was going to say jack off. Maybe I'll say that later. Don't do those things. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to do them. My dad gets kicked out. Everything goes crazy for that. For that period of time, my mom basically was not there. She would like come home and she would go into her room or whatever. She like wouldn't really talk to us. And when she did, she would say things like, um, me and her dad are probably going to get a divorce, which literally scared the crap out of me and like shocked me. And like, I just would go outside and be like, okay, I'm going to go play basketball. Cause I don't mm. like myself mm. and, or I'm going to go watch porn. So I, I was like, don't watch porn. Don't, don't do this. Don't do this. And so I get, uh, they get kicked out. I'm on, so this is a thing. I'm freaking on the internet one day and I'm on Bing. Here's the thing. Who uses Bing? <laughs> Who does that? I do for some reason. Still when I'm to in this sixth day. grade, I I stopped using it because it was it was pissing me off. But so so was, well, we're doing up until, Bing up until recently. Andy was using Bing. Yeah, that's actually true. <laughs> uh, I was on Bing, and uh, there's like the photo of the day or something, and it was a Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition, and I was like, that is nice and so i clicked on it and a lot more came up and i started looking at them and i started looking at them and then every day kind of got worse less and less clothes i mean there's not much less that you can do than the sports illustrated swimsuit edition but you know how it goes so i i I started looking at at that stuff and um during that time and i didn't tell anybody because i was like if i tell my dad he's gonna get pissed if i tell my mom she's gonna get pissed um, so I'm just going to keep this to myself and try to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't. And I, did you feel that? Were you, were you like trying to stop during the time or were you, or were you sort of using it as just like a, you're coping with this and you were just kind of going for it? I will say I felt extremely guilty after yeah. I did it yeah. every time. Yeah. Uh, over time, obviously that chips away and you just become numb. So I don't know if I if I was like actively trying, but I know that because of the guilt, it made me like not want to do it. But then I continue to go back to it. And so after a while, my mom let my dad come back in. And some weird things started to change. And this is going to be weird that I say this uh, and it's not going to make any sense, but I'm going to say it because it might make sense to like one person. I don't know. But one of the biggest changes that I noticed when my dad came back is that we stopped using like our regular plates when we ate, you know, Mm. regular plates, like glass plates. Mm. We started using paper plates Mm. and that, that messed me up. I'm not kidding. That messed me up. I was like, what, why are we not using regular plates? Why are we using plastic plates or these like throwaway plates? So interesting. What do you, what was for some, yeah, go ahead. Keep going. No, what was your question? Well, I'm just what what about that mess with you? I think it was like a sign of things changing. Hmm. 
and I didn't because I knew that from ages zero to eight to sixth grade, whatever it was like 12 years old or whatever, zero to 12, my foundation with my family and my foundation and my faith was very strong mm. and paper plates are flimsy and weak. Mm. And so you go from a, a you, you, and, and we would sit down at five o'clock every single night as a family around the dinner table, we'd eat together. We, st- and so, um, dad got kicked out. He brought back. Now we have, um, paper plates and you kind of just eat whenever you want. Mm. We don't eat together anymore. And so I like the, it's not that it was the paper plates, I guess themselves, but it was more the idea that like, we're not, we aren't something's different here. I don't really like it. It doesn't feel so perfect. It doesn't feel so perfect anymore. And, uh, right, like it was a sign of other things. Yeah. So my parents started going to counseling, uh, with this guy named Justin Bangert. Uh, I hope that they don't care that I say that. I don't really care. Um, the, the <laughs> shout out to Justin. Justin's great. My parents started going to counseling with Justin. Um, and maybe we'll have, Ju- I was thinking about getting Justin on the pod for, for a suicide one. Maybe, um, dude, that'd be great. That'd be, that'd be cool. Um, so Justin gets, with my parents and they start meeting and I'm like, man, what is this crap? Uh, this freaking counseling therapy stuff that my parents are going, they don't need that. That's stupid. So they, they're going to this thing and I see some big changes. My mom starts, my dad stops being such a control freak, which is like good, but it made me view him as a little bit more passive. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, why is he not like, being so controlling and my mom became a little bit more or a little bit less passive and a little bit more controlling. And I hated that because she would be like, I'm setting boundaries about things. And I'd be like, screw your boundaries. Yeah. Whatever, you know, what are like, these I, boundaries? Exactly. I was like boundaries bound, like shut up boundaries. And so I hated Justin. My parents were like, you should start going to see Justin. And I was like, I hate this guy. I don't even know him. Whatever. I'll go to see Justin. They made me go see Justin. I remember sitting in the room with Justin when I was in middle school. And man, I had a bike there in the middle of the summer and in like small town going into a therapy place is not fun. It does not look cool. So I had to like make sure nobody saw me walk in there. So I go in there. It's like, Andy, why are you at therapy? I it's my, my family screwed up. <laughs> uh, but I, I go in there and we, and we, <laughs> And we and we start talking. Oh, is this a therapy place? I didn't know. I was I was just looking for a cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, I was. I thought this was McDonald's. Uh, so we get in, and I start talking. And at the end of the meeting, our first meeting, he's like, "Andy, there's something you're not telling me, mm-hmm. and you need to tell me." And I was like, "No, no, there's not." <laughs> and in my head, I was like. This guy knows I'm like watching porn. How does he know this? I want to, I want him dead. Like I, I hate this guy. Uh, and he was like, "Yeah, there's something that you're not telling me." And I was like, "No, I'm telling you everything." And my heart was beating. I remember feeling like hot mm. and like. And I never told him. And I left. And I, I don't think I ever went back after that. I was like, "I'm done. This is like a this guy like reads minds. <laughs> this is this, this is man wrong. is dangerous. <laughs> yeah, this man is dangerous. My alarms are going off in my head." So I stopped going, and when I got into seventh and eighth grade, I just became more defiant towards my teachers. I got started getting kicked out of class a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. And, and what do you think was driving that? Was it just sort of this uh, 
like do you do you feel like it was just sort of an accumulation of like difficult circumstances or do you feel like it was like kind of a like a hardening towards authority or it was a mix i think it mostly a hardening towards authority because at seventh grade i tried out for my team my my school's team again and i made the b team again and at this Mm -hmm. point it was absolutely preposterous i was one of the best kids in in the whatever and on the team or whatever and so I went and tried out for the number one team in the state. I was like, you know what? F this little town. I'm going to go try out for the number one team in the state, which was called NESYB at the time. It was like an East side based basketball team. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly black kids who are better at basketball who than, than me. Um, totally different culture, totally different everything. I, I'm in small town, farm town, and a white little white kid. No, there's like two black kids in the entire town. So we go try out for the East side. Uh, and I make the number one basketball team in, in the state, but for some reason, I can't make the A team in Sauk Prairie. What the Isn't heck? that interesting? Yeah, that, that is interesting. Isn't that is very interesting? So either either the coaches at Sauk Prairie are delusional and they think that they're better than the number one team in the state, which could very well be true because I think they were somewhat delusional, or they there was it was like political and, and it was not, I mean, they're getting ready for, for high school and stuff like that. So I play on this team for like two, three years. I play AAU for, for longer than I played on the, on the actual winter team. Mm-hmm. And we were really good. We traveled all over the place. We played some of the best teams, played Tyler hero. If any of you guys, I played him a lot. Um, he's in the NBA now. Whoa. On the heat. Yeah. He's on the heat. He's just in the finals. He starts on the heat. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> yeah. I played him, Did you beat him? guarded him. We beat him when he was on his regular team, but his AAU team was stacked. We lost to them by like three points. Those were fun games. And there's guys on that on that team that were just like incredible. Um so we we played against um whatever. I don't make the A team, but I it starts to I'm getting a little bit more pissed off towards these authority people. I'm like, okay, this is this is ridiculous. Like these coaches, okay, and then and all throughout those years, I didn't mention all the teachers, but there's more teachers who are like get in my face and try to intimidate me. And it was just, it just wasn't working. And so when I get to seventh and eighth grade, well, one, I made that team. So I think I'm like hot stuff. And so I, I think I'm better than everybody else. And I, you know, I'm, I'm making more friends and I'm, I, I hate to use this like, I think it's not as corny, but it becoming like more popular or whatever, mm-hmm. it, which is, which is the corniest thing. Cause middle school and high school are corny. Um, but, but I'm making more friends. True. You were, I, you were becoming more popular and I felt cool because of it. Right. And so I I'm getting kicked out of classes, um, especially science classes. I get kicked out of science classes a lot because I was like, this is all a lie. Evolution is not real. The big bang is a theory and it's a pathetic theory. Um, it's, and you guys are teaching this as if it's fact and you guys are idiots. And every time that I bring something up that you can't like that, you can't, um, debunk or that you can't, you don't have an argument back at it. You, what do you do? You try to humiliate me in front of the class or you kick me out. I'm like, this is just, it's not even that I'm, it's just annoying. Mm. Like, just stop, just, just grow up. You, like teachers who don't know anything. Um, and back then I thought that teachers like had to go to like, I didn't understand what college was. I was in middle school. I really didn't understand college, which is, which is stupid, but, um, 
I thought to be a teacher, like you had to go to school for a long time. Mm. You have to go to school for like everybody else does. And you spend most of it learning about things that aren't even true. So like if I were to go back now, I would raise absolute hell for those people because I think that they have no idea what they're talking about, especially science teachers and history teachers. But okay. All right. We're getting a little off topic here. <laughs> right. Right. I got I got to go back on. I got to go back. back. On. Bring us back. Sorry. I get I'm getting that making me mad. Know, he's, um, he's getting heated. Okay. Anyways. So I started to get kicked out of class more. Teachers getting more mad at me. Seventh grade, eighth grade. I just same, same thing. Eighth grade was even worse. Mm-hmm. Me and my friends were like so bad that the count that the teachers all had to meet to try to, to fix our schedules. So we weren't in any of the same classes. And I was getting kicked out of class regularly at the end of the year. I had like a hundred, some missing assignments um, and not, and not dur- turned in assignments. I was not doing well. And so my grades were like, f's and d's um and i and i didn't care i was like this is a middle school who cares uh but i remember like the teachers meeting with my mom and like she would cry and because they were just like your son is an absolute like we don't he's just insane and my friends moms would be in the meetings and they would cry too and we it was like a group of six of us and like our moms would cry because we were terrible kids <laughs> and we and so we were in middle school and i was just like i hate I hate all these teachers who are trying to make me look bad, mm. uh, even though I, I was doing bad things. But I think it was a mix of, of bad teaching and bad being a bad student. So this is an, then I get to high school and I'm still going to Sauk Prairie and we get to high school. And uh, at this point, I've started to like talk to girls, texting girls, more things that are that are like, you know, bad bad things started doing bad things i hadn't done anything in person with a girl but but at this point i had done some some bad things and so we i get to high school and my freshman year of high school i'm i i get like pretty good grades but i have this one biology class um and this story kind of is is the tipping point for me uh where i i go from like i don't like authority to full-on i absolutely hate authority Mm -hmm. and i want them all to burn in hell and so that's my mindset at the time Mm -hmm. and so this is what happens. I'm in this biology class and this teacher, Mrs. Hunger, we, we, I, she, she's teaching biology and I don't even really like biology. It's, it's, it's annoying. Um, but we get to the point <laughs> where she starts to talk about for some, we're in biology and she starts, she starts talking about man-made global warming. And I'm just, you know, like, I don't believe in global warming. I, I, I and I sure as heck do not think that we should be spending tax dollars on, on funding anything that has to do with uh, research for global warming or trying to fix the, that. But I raise my hand. I say to the teacher, I say, this is democratic propaganda <laughs> in the middle of class. And she gets, she's like, okay. And, and she goes, okay. And I think this is probably the best thing that she did the entire year. She goes, okay, listen, if you think that this isn't real, that's fine. If you can find me one legitimate scientist who has written an article um, that man-made global warming isn't real, that it's a hoax and it's legitimate, bring it in. And, uh, if it's legitimate, I will show it to the entire grade. And I was like, Oh, okay. This is, this will be fun. So I go home and I tell my dad, I mean, my dad are like, all right, let's got, we got to get to work. So we, so we go on the computer, we start looking up, we find a, um, was it 500 page, uh, essay written by 1000 different international scientists on why man-made global warming isn't real. And it was, and that essay was presented in front of the United States Supreme court. And so what do we do? We go to we go to Walgreens. We get a lot of paper and we get a lot of ink and we start printing it out. And so we print out this entire thing 
and I'm all ready to go the next day. It takes so long to print out. I go into class. Everybody knows it's going to happen. Everybody's there. I, I slap this big thing of uh, paper on her desk and she, and it's 500 pages. I'm like, take time. You can read it a couple days a week. I don't care. Uh, she looks through it for like maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute. And she says, there's not enough graphs in it. And then she throws it in the garbage. And I was like, uh, I don't even know. Like I, I literally had, I was just, I knew that she wasn't going to make the entire, you know, class read that thing, but I at least wanted her to look at it. Right. And she, and she just threw it in the garbage. And it felt like, it felt like a letdown of a promise that she was like that for once you were like, okay, somebody's willing to, even if they don't right now agree with my position, they're willing to at least like engage with it sort of honestly. And then it was like, a, yeah. Oh, okay. So that was a, that was like a false front. Well, and I think if she would have engaged with that differently, I think it would have changed the outcome of a lot of things that came after. Mm-hmm. And she, she, she didn't though. And it, it, it hurt because it, I, that's, I mean, and people will th- think that this is stupid because it's only one teacher. But to me, the the accumulation accumulation that's the word mm-hmm. putting all things together yep. the accumulation of teachers uh, up until this point who that was a tipping point where I, I in my head I just decided these people are here to indoctrinate kids they're not here to teach us and so my goal for the next four years if however many rest of the years of high school I would need to make these teachers lives a living hell and I will do anything and everything possible to make them hate their job if I'm in their classroom. And that's what I decided freshman year. I can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> it's quite yes. the turn. Which is quite the turn. I, yeah. I was just so sick of it. Right? No, and totally. so uh, um and so that's what I did. And I and, and another part of that is my freshman year driving home from a football game. I think this is important. Me and my friend were in, in the in in the bus together and it was the first time I had cussed. I start and the first time I cuss, I think like with anything in my life, especially for me, the first time I do something, I do it um, overboard to the maximum and absolutely like not okay. <laughs> and I think I cuss like eight hundred times on the way back. I just was cuss everything that I was saying was a cuss. I was an f word all over the place. So since then, I've I've developed a cussing habit, which I still have to this day, which I don't think is sinful, but I think it can become sinful. But that point it was sinful because the only thing I was using it for was to just annihilate people. So I, I started cussing, which I think that was a result of my bitterness and hatred and anger mm-hmm. was, was through those verbal words. Cause at the, cause, cause my parents were living together again and things were actually going better at home. But I think the wounds were deep at this point with, with authority and with not trusting people. And so, um, and my parents are still working on their marriage and saying that they're better at home. It, it might sound better, but like there was still fights. My parents would still have fights where they'd scream and, and we'd have to deal with that. And my older brother, for example, I think I was like in eighth grade. My older brother was a senior in high school. He sat in front of the door, um, to go to play video games. I wanted to go play video games, but he sat in front of the door so I couldn't get there. And my dad was like, you need to move out of the way. And he's like, I'll play video games. And he was like, I'm not moving. And my dad had 
they started fighting each other and my dad had to like get him into like the submissive lock hold. My mom was like screaming, like throwing stuff for no reason just to make things worse. And I was sitting there like, I don't want to play video games anymore. (laughs) Um, So that, and my older brother would get mad and angry. Sometimes he would suppress all of his anger and then it'd blow up at times. So he'd punch a hole in the wall or he would do something. He'd blow up. So this stuff was like, when I say it was better, that's what I mean. So you can imagine what it was like before that. Um, but it, it was getting better. It, it honestly was. But there were still things that were happening. And so uh, my sophomore year, uh, I, I don't I I'm one of the best basketball players. I, I you know, I'm trying out for varsity. I don't make varsity. And the coach tells me the reason I don't make varsity is like he's like, you're talented enough. You're 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 talented enough to be on varsity. And I was still obsessed with basketball at this point. Mm-hmm. You're talented enough to be on varsity. But, um, like, we don't trust you or you're not mature enough or something like that. And it just was, like, that just, hmm. again, it, w- it was, like, this thing of, like, yeah, you got talent, but, like, we can't control you, so right. we're not going to. Right, which no. which maybe to a degree in the coach's mind, he's, like, I mean, who knows what his, what his motivations are. But, I mean, maybe in his mind, he's trying to be, like, okay, maybe this will be, like, a wake-up call for this kid or maybe this is, like. Like I, I could see, I could see an interpretation of those events where it's like he is trying to do something positive, um, but right, but regardless, no, I, regardless, yeah. the way that you receive it is whether whether it was positive or whether he was trying to do something positive or not. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying for sure that he was. Yeah, but either way, I mean, it gets internalized as like, okay, here's another example. right, and there was no further explanation from that. No, like. If you do X, Y, and Z, and if you fix this, right, this, and this, right, then right. you can come back on on varsity. It was just like, nope, you're not going to be on varsity. Right. It was like, and 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 obviously, when you get to high school, like my goal was to go to college, play basketball. I wanted to get a scholarship. The window starts to close in in high school because you're either got to get on varsity as a freshman or a sophomore, or have an incredible junior and senior two years to to right. get into college. And I was like, if I get a jump start on that, my sophomore year. It'll help me. And then maybe I go to college. Um, cause I was not going to college for grades. Um, I, so, so he, he doesn't put me on varsity. This guy's an egomaniac and I so am I, but he, he was, he was just a jerk to me. And, um, so at the end of my sophomore year, my parents actually were like, we're going to move to want key. Well, they asked where we wanted to move. There's a couple different options, and and one of them was Wanakee. And I already knew some people at Wanakee, and I and I was like, let's. I would move to Wanakee. Mm-hmm. That was a bad idea too. Um, we we moved to Wanakee. My older brother's graduated at this point. He's out doing stuff for YWAM. Um, I think at this point, and I'm going from sophomore year to junior year. And just quickly, my sophomore year was 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 worse than my freshman year. I, I was just a worse student, worse kid. Um, funny story that I told John was at one of the football games. We we stole the flag from the other team, and uh, I I stole the flag from the other team. And I was running, and the police officers were chasing after me, and they couldn't catch me. Um, but but uh, so we just, so just imagining. A 16-year-old Andy, just this flag streaming behind him while a cop is chasing him down. Dude, it's it so funny. Very, it was very funny to me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we move. And Wanakee is just it's way bigger than Sauk Prairie. 
I'm, there's, if I'm being honest, there's a, hot, a lot of more hot girls and and just better athletes. They're better at every sport. So it's just like it was like moving from like like yeah, it was. They're just better at everything. Their academics were better. Everything was better. And so we go there, and I wasn't fully ready for this because I come from Sock Prairie. The education at Sock Prairie isn't great. They have like one of the worst math programs in the entire state. Mm-hmm. So I was. As a junior in high school, I was in a freshman math class in Wanakee, which was <laughs> great fun. Met a lot of great freshmen in that class. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, and and that teacher hated me um, because I would just... That's the class where I where he would ask a question and I would go, beep, pop, boop, boop, beep, beep, and then I would not give him the answer. Uh, and I would pretend like I was calculating and then I couldn't do it. So, and the freshmen, hey, they love me. They thought it was funny. Um, so that's, that's all, that's what life's about. Uh, so we, so I'm doing, so we move. I'm becoming increasingly more angry. I start talking to more girls, start actually hooking up with girls, start doing things with girls. Um, through this time, my parents are like, they know that I'm like doing things I shouldn't do. I think I had told them at this point that I had watched porn. Um, and my dad, they were mad, but they were like, well, like kind of what can we do to help? And they kind of like take away my phone, but they would take away my phone and I go to school and then like, like people would give me their phones. Like they, like there was a girl who gave me like her old iPhone, which was not even that old. It was like just the generation before. Mm. Actually, that happened like five times. And so I would have like hidden phones around my house. So when my parents took away my phone, I would have one to go to so I could continue to talk to people and do all the things I shouldn't be doing. Because mm. I was one step ahead of my parents. Very smart. Kids take <laughs> notes. Uh, just kidding. That's terrible. Ruined my life. Um, I... So I, I had all of these phones and my parents didn't know about them. I'm becoming just more bitter. I'm getting, you know, and it was block schedule. Things were a little bit more loose, but I was, I was getting kicked out of classes still uh, my junior year, just in basketball, things were not going the way that I wanted to do with my, the first half of my junior year of basketball, I played a decent amount. I was sixth, seventh man off the bench. And this, and this team was way better than my last team. So it was going way better. I was like, I was coming off the bench. I was playing quite a bit. And then halfway through the season, my coach didn't play me my minutes. And I sat on the bench for the rest of high school and I never played. Mm. And just one day, and he never explained anything to me because he said to me, he's like, you're going to be a huge part of our playoff run. And, um, when I first got there, he's just, you got to learn the offense. You got to slow down. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to work on doing that. And then one day he just stopped playing me Mm. and I never played it. We went to state, uh, and we, and we lost by a ton. Um, and, I found out after I graduated that he, that some of the sock coaches were talking to the Wanakee coaches and they said like, why didn't you play Andy? And the whole, and the Wanakee coach was like, he had all the talent in the world, but we couldn't trust him. So it was mm-hmm. that, that thing again, the trust thing that, and I was, and, and, but there was no explanation again. So an, another authority figure, somebody that I'm supposed to trust, let me down, not communicating well, not telling me anything, not letting me know how to get better. And I let that run and control my life. Mm. I would go play basketball. I go to basketball practice. I go to Princeton club afterwards for hours and hours and hours. I go practice at the gym. I practice hours, 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 hours. I'd sprint. I'd do sprints. I did everything. I would just, 
everything my whole life was based around basketball Mm -hmm. and they never put me in they never put me in and so i you grow up you grow up watching michael jordan all he ever says is you know you work hard you know you work hard you work hard and i was like i am working hard Mm -hmm. and nothing's happening Mm -hmm. and so that yeah through that i just became angry started doing more things with girls things uh and um get to my senior year and my parents it gets bad and I'm basically grounded from everything because my attitude is horrible. My grades are apps. They're just terrible. I've missed so many classes. We get, sorry, I burped. We get halfway through <laughs> my, <laughs> we get halfway through my senior year and, and I, and things are going awful. My mom's getting calls from the principal like every week. Mm. Um, They don't know what to do with me at home. They don't know what to do with me at school. Nobody knows what to do with me. They think I'm, they think I'm, they think that like my life goal is to like cause issues, which it kind of was, but I also just like certain things about school. Like I just couldn't stand that people just listened to somebody in the front of the class because they had a piece of paper, mm. like from like they had a degree. Oh, like you're going to just listen to this guy because he has a piece of paper. Like I, I, I could go make like anybody could get a piece of paper. Everybody gets a pe- piece of paper. This isn't significant. And so it frustrated. like, I wanted to like actually figure out what was going on in in like history classes and stuff like that but there was no explanation there was not there was never like let's actually try to learn and figure these things out it was like you listen you memorize you take the test i was like i don't want to memorize this i think it's useless information and i had two good teachers um who are english teachers i really liked english i I gave i don't know why i treated them so bad because they're really good teachers um i found out that i was very very good at poetry um, so like, I was really good at like weird things like poetry. Like I didn't go to class. I like didn't go to class and I, I like never, and I didn't go to class, but then we had this poetry thing and my teacher was like, can you just try doing it? And I was like, dude, poetry is like for like people, this for like liberals. <laughs> I like hated it. And I like, that's what I said. I was like, this is for Democrats. I'm not doing it. And she was like, just try poetry. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And so I tried it and I ended up being super good at it. And she was like, what the heck? So it was like weird things like that that I like was good at, but I never put time into it because I was just so angry. Mm-hmm. Um, my grades were not good as you can probably already guess. And so we, so we get to the halfway through my senior year and things are coming to a head. My parents are starting to starting to figure out what I'm doing, mm-hmm. like hooking up with girls, skipping class, having girls over doing things I shouldn't be doing. Um, skip, you know, not, not doing homework. Uh, my, uh, my dad, um, uh, one second. My dad actually got a call from one of my teachers that during class, um, this is going to, I'm going to do it. Um, during class, do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. I don't, I mean, I don't think you should say this. You can say, I'm going to say it. It's my podcast. I'm going to say it. I, I think people need, I'm, I don't know why we shouldn't say it, but anyway, well, just it, so people know you don't need to cuss on the podcast. You can say the letter F. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'll do it for the Christian people. Okay. So I get, so I'm in class and he asked me a question and I said like F you Except in F. front of everybody. I, the actual, it was a, it was a real word, not just F you. Cause I'm not lame. And so I said the whole thing. I just said F you to this guy and he comes up and he gets in my face and he's like, you will never, he's like freaked out at me. 
and he called my dad and he told my dad and I was going home every night telling my dad like, man, the, te- the system's against me. The teachers are against me. I can't say anything. They hate me. They kick me out of class. And my dad was like this. Yeah, all these Democrats running the school. Like every I, I made him believe that that it was 150 million percent everybody else's fault. I was a perfect uh, godlike kid going into school trying to do my best to please to to make everybody feel loved and and be respectful and he gets the call from this teacher that I in the middle of class just told him to like f off or like f you and my dad and so my parents started to put these pieces together that I was actually a two different people mm-hmm. I was one person outside of the house and one person to their face and so my attitude had gotten worse and worse and worse as it does when you start you know sinning all the time mm-hmm. and so I I I'm one night we get into this huge fight and I, I, we, I was at my grandparent or my aunt and uncle's this last weekend. And they asked my little brother, cause I was sharing my testimony with somebody I didn't even know, uh, somebody from Minnesota and my little brother, my, they asked my little brother, like, what, what was your viewpoint of Andy at this time period? And he was like, <laughs> and I never knew this, but he was like, I did not want to be around him. I did all I could to try to avoid him. He was insane. He was mean. Mm. He'd come home angry every single night. So I'm super angry this night. We get into an argument. Probably, I don't even know what the argument was about, but it was most likely about something like, Andy, do the dishes. And I was like, I hate you. <laughs> like, I want you dead or something like that. So, and just to sh- tell you guys, so you can get an insight into how much I hated authority. I told my parents and I like knew the, um, like the significance of hell. And I understood scripture because my dad would make us, uh, he would read like commentaries to us growing up and he would make us like write paragraphs before we, uh, about what we read in the Bible. So I knew more scripture than anybody that was my age. I, I finished all the Awana books. I was, I knew all the stuff I did everything. I and youth group. I, I just knew all the answers to everything. And so everybody assumed that I was always doing good in church mm-hmm. and high school. I'd stopped going. So, but I did understand intellectually like what hell is. I understood the significance of it, and I and I told my parents, I was like, I hope and I wish, and I like, I hope that my teachers burn in hell forever. I hate them that much. Right. I I remember telling them that I was like crying on the living room floor, like I want them to burn in hell. And my parents were like, what do we do with this kid? And so we, so I'm coming home and I'm angry, and we get into an argument about something that I'm most likely probably wrong on. Um, and me and my dad are getting heated and my dad's like, well, you know what? They were looking into like sending me to boarding school and stuff. And I was never going to do that. But they, they, my dad says you have two options and this is the weirdest ultimatum, um, of all time. Uh, the Lord, we had started the Lord. Yeah, it is. And, And it's the one that changed my life. And we had started going to High Point recently again because we had been fl- we had been flip flopping all different churches trying to find one. So we recently started going to High Point, and I remember going to High Point. Um, and I remember the first time I went there, I, everybody had their hands raised up in the air, uh, praising God. And I and I remember thinking to myself, like I, I literally want to take a saw and cut their arms off. Like I think that these people are all sin- sinning and they're sinful human beings, and they're praising God with the same hands that they do horrible things with. And I hated them. I was like, I'm not going to raise my hands because I know I'm a sick human being. And Nick was kind of annoying to me. He'd get up there and start yelling about something. And I didn't really listen to him. <laughs> so I, I really I like had to go to church because I, li- I lived at my parents' house. But if I didn't, I wouldn't go. So we're going to FNF or not FNF. What is, oh, sorry. Uh, we're going to High Point And my parents gave me this ultimatum. You either need to get outside. You need to leave our house in the next 24 hours. 
I don't care where you go, but you're not living here anymore. You're done. Halfway through high school. Homeless. Or there's a new program, a high point called Forgiven and Free. It's for people struggling with sexual addiction, and you need to go to that. It's six weeks. And I remember I was like thinking like, okay, I don't have anywhere else to live. I, I, I did go through like a list of people in my head that I thought that maybe I had an opportunity to live with. Mm-hmm. But I was like, no, that's I'm not doing that. So I was like, all right, I know how church works. I know how to manipulate these people. I will, I'll do this. So I was like, okay, I will go to FNF, um, but only if you do one thing or only like, I'll go to FNF only if dad comes with me. Mm. And my dad hadn't struggled with any of this stuff for like 15 years at this point. And he had been free from all like sexual sin and my mom and my dad was like, I'm not going to that. And my mom was like, I already signed you both up. So you're both going. <laughs> and so that was a little bit of uh, like a screw you to my dad, just trying to be a nuisance. Uh, so we go to FNF Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. I have basketball practice. I have things I have to do. I'm getting on Friday nights, you know, but I'm getting up at 7 a.m. to go to a sexual sin group. Um, we, my initial th- I, I, I'm, thinking of sexual sin group and i'm like this is definitely people who are weird that was just what i thought i was like mm-hmm. people who are weird i were you there uh, i don't know can i say yeah, that yeah, were I you was, there i was there the first week i was i was leading a group in the first round so yeah i remember i was just like the, everybody here is gonna be weird there's probably gonna be five guys mm-hmm. and so we go and we get there and we sit down and it's at the at the church and this like short guy who's like very happy (laughs) goes to the front of the room and he starts talking. And I remember thinking very happy, like, like it's 7 a.m. People, it is 7 a.m. And they were at a sexual sin group. And there's a little guy be happy here. Nobody's allowed to be happy. It's my, my one rule, my one rule. We couldn't even do that at high point. So I, I, this little happy guy is up at the front of the room (laughs) talking about, man, we like, thanks for coming, everybody. This is, man, it's so good that you're fighting sexual sin. This is so good. And I remember just thinking in my head, like, I want to punch this guy in his face. <laughs> like, nobody's as happy as Seven. He is fake. Dude. And uh, turns out that that little guy was also the leader of my small group for FNS. Mm-hmm. So you have the big group and then you break out into your small groups. This little guy's leader of my small group. So. His name is Vince Peary. You know him from the Evangelism podcast. If you're, if yeah, you can put it together. If you, if you think little guy happy and the phrase <laughs> so good, you have a yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have Vince. So like the first week, so the first couple of weeks we go, we're going like you know you do everybody's testimony. They're kind of like sexual sin testimony. And I in my head I had a plan. I had a plan in my head. I said, I know how Christian people work. I went to small groups. I went to Bible studies. I went to youth groups. I went to Awanas. I know how to make people think that you're doing way better than you actually are because people are stupid. Uh, that was my, th- my thoughts at the time. So my plan was go in, tell everybody what they want to hear. Tell them, man, I'm so excited to fight sexual sin. This is great. Love it. And uh, like tell them these things. This is absolutely great. I, I never had more fun in my life fighting sexual sin. So fun. And uh, make them feel like I actually care about what's going on. That's all in my head. Andy, lie to them, lie to them, lie to them. In my head, over and over again. You know the plan. You know the plan. You know the plan. Do it, 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 do it. Do the plan. So we go around and everybody's sharing the test. We get to me. We get to me. And I, I open my mouth 
and I just the plan didn't come out. <laughs> Everything that wasn't the plan, the opposite of the plan came out of my mouth. I opened my mouth and I'm like, this is stupid. High Point Church is ineffective. Nobody, this is, you guys are all stupid. You guys are all weird. Nobody wants to share sexual sin. This is psychotic. Like, I hate this. I, this church, I hate this church. I have, none of you guys share the gospel. You guys don't even do the basics of Christianity. You don't even do evangelism. That's the basics of Christianity. You don't even do that. Why are you trying to fight sexual sins if you can't even do the basics of Christianity? I, I kind of go off. And after I go off, basically like telling everybody that I think they're an idiot and I hate them. Uh, Vince is like grabs my arm like he does. And he's like, dude, we love you, man. And I was like, ah, oh, this little guy's going to get messed up. If he keeps doing this type of stuff, like <laughs> at this stage in your life, I'm surprised that he didn't get punched. I I am too. I think I, I think I had a little bit of like humanity left in me. I was like, this little, I, he can't really defend himself. Um, so <laughs> he's too little. So, and frankly, he's too, too happy. little. He's way too happy. If I punch him, it, he might even just come back smiling again, yeah. and I would piss me off more. So he, so he was like, "We love you," and I was like, what? "Like, like okay, like what?" And so he, we, he goes the next week. I, or I, I come the next week, and I, I basically tell him again, like everybody just here is stupid. Weekly reminder: I hate all of you. Um, this church is a pathetic waste of space. Um, see you guys next week. And he's like, I love you, man. I love you, man. And, and, and he did that week after week, after week, after week. And I, and I was like, so my plan had completely broken down, um, about trying to make them feel happy. I don't think it made them feel very happy, but the, the, the interesting thing was it was week after week after week. And I thought, you know, most of the time growing up, it was like, if you tell somebody you hate them, what are they going to do? They're going to tell you that they hate you. And then you're never going to talk to each other again. And you don't have to deal with it and you can suppress those feelings and you can let them boil over later on in your life and probably do something terrible, but we'll wait for that train wreck when it comes. Mm -hmm. So I thought that if I told them that I thought they were stupid and I hated them, that Vince would be like, dude, we hate you too. Please leave. (laughs) (laughs) But he didn't. And they kept saying that they loved me and they kept saying that they loved me. They kept saying they loved me. And I was like, this is like week after week of just like them saying that they love me. And, and over time I I was, I was slowly chipping away and Evan Degler was in the group too. Um, and he invited me to get wings. Um, and we, and we got wings and I didn't even want to go to that, but I felt bad because Evan's like one of the nicest people in the world. I was like, if I don't go to this, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible person. Shout out to wings. not a sponsor. Wing wing spot stop wing stop. Not the best wings, though. I, I'm not I, I'm I'd rather go to Buffalo Wild Wings. But we went to Wing Stop and Yeah, same. Um, Buffalo Wild Wings, if you're listening, we'd love to have you as a sponsor. We would love if this podcast was sponsored by Buffalo Wild Wings, that'd be so funny. <laughs> uh, so so I go to get to to get wings with, with uh Evan and he starts inviting. I'm in high school still, and it's like the winter going into spring of high school. And he starts, or uh, he starts to invite me to like crew stuff downtown at the UW. And I didn't know anything about crew at this point, so I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll go to crew. And so I started going to crew, going to their Bible study, and a bunch of college guys. And I was like, whoa, this is weird. Like the guys in this Bible study like want to be here. A lot of them were really good at sports, like in high school. There's one guy named Josh Wise who was like 
holds the record for the most touchdown passes by a quarterback in Wisconsin football, high school football history. Mm-hmm. And like, and he was in there. Uh, shout out to Josh. I don't even know if he listens to this podcast. Probably doesn't. He's a friend of mine, but he probably doesn't listen to it. Uh, anyways, that and so uh, he's those guys in this this group are like cool. Mm-hmm. And I was like, these guys are like Christians who are cool. Like, the, I didn't know such a thing existed. And um, going to F and F and and over time, I felt like F and F is forgiving I think, for those who. Oh yeah. Forgiven and free, which was a sexual sin thing. Um, over time, I was telling these guys I don't like them, that I hate them. I, it, something was chipping away at my heart. And it was like, I knew the gospel intellectually and everything like that. And I, and I remember getting to a point, I don't know exactly when it was. I know you have your like spiritual birthday, John. I don't have that, but, um, how dare you celebrate? How dare you not have a spiritual birthday? <laughs> Sorry. Um, so we get to the point where it's, Worse, it's just breaking away at me. I'm like, these people are telling me that they love me. There's something off here. There's something wrong. I need to figure out what it is. And so I wanted to consider myself at the time like a reasonable person. Um, you can't do that if you tell people that you just met that you think they're stupid and you hate them. Like you can't, you can't do that. You can't call yourself a reasonable person if if you do that. That doesn't work. And so I was like, I was like, so what is going on here? If I don't actually hate them because I don't know them, then who do I hate and why do I hate it so much? It's like, it could be authorities. Sure. Yeah. Authority is pretty bad. But I was like, I, it was Jesus. I was like, I hate Jesus. I just hate him. I hate him. But I knew growing up that there was no way on earth that that is reasonable. That is not reasonable. I know from history and, and from reading the Bible, that Jesus was perfect and that Jesus is, you can make an excuse to hate anybody. I can make an excuse to hate you, John. I can make an excuse to hate Vince to be for being too happy. I, I could hate, I can make an excuse f- to hate anybody on this planet. Mm-hmm. I cannot make an excuse to hate Jesus. There's absolutely no excuse for that. I was like, I had this vision in my head of Jesus hanging on the cross and me spitting in his face and saying, I hate you while he's hanging on the cross for my sins. Mm-hmm. And I, that just, I, it's, it messed me up. I was like, you can't like, you can't, this isn't like, that's not how it's going to work anymore. Yeah. And I think at that point I was just like, I spent my whole life calling myself a Christian and dragging Jesus's name through the dirt and through the mud and stomping on it. And like, at that point I was like, dude, I I think I'm like totally like I'm, I'm doing this. Like I'm doing the Christian thing. Like I believe it. Um, I'm doing it. And so I, I, things got way better. Like I started hanging out with Vince every single weekend and, which is weird because I was in high school so and Vince funny. is like 32. Yeah, he's like, and so he would, yeah, Hey, why don't you, you want to come swimming with me? Little height, he would, little guy. Yeah. He would go, we'd go swimming at his apartment complex. Like, which was weird. And like, I would just hang out with this guy and like, I slowly stopped hanging out with people from high school. And I just started hanging out with, with Vince on and like, and doing board games and stuff, which was annoying. Cause Vince would have us over for board games like me, John, and his neighbor the one time, and then he wouldn't play. Yeah, he would sit on the couch and watch us play board games, and I was like, "Well, like on Instagram." I, listen, 
Right, and and taking pictures of us and posting it on Instagram, which which like triggered you. He doesn't understand how. Yes, it triggered me so bad, and and I was just like, I always knew there was something wrong with this little guy, but uh, but but he's he he showed me who Jesus was, and so I remember like a year later, I'm with like you and Luke and Vince, and 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 I'm like, like thank you guys for believing in me. Like you guys always believed in me from the beginning and like, thank you. Cause you know, that's the gospel. And Vince was like, and I was like, Vince, like, thank you for believing me. And Vince was like, ah, uh, dude, like I, that's not true. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, I did not believe in you. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, dude, the first week that you came to forgiven and free after it was over, Luke went up to Vince, Luke Zika, who's been on this podcast before. He went up to Vince and he was like, who's that like high school kid in your group? And Luke was like, er, and Vince was like, there is absolutely no hope for this kid. <laughs> this kid is crazy. There is no hope for him. And so Vince told me that he had no hope for me. And I was like, then what were you doing? Like, why were you saying that you love me? And, and that actually made it much clearer to me. Mm. I was like, this is not Vince's love. Mm. It is not John's love. It is not Luke's love. It is not, it is not their love. It's Jesus's love through them. And I was like, because Vince doesn't have the capability of loving me outside of Christ. Mm-hmm. That like he can't do it. Nobody can love anybody outside of Christ. And I don't believe that at all. I, I don't believe that people can love people outside of Christ. I absolutely do not believe that. I, it is impossible. You can only hate. And so uh, Vince told me that, and I was like, okay, so that means that this had to be Jesus the whole time. It wasn't Vince. Like it, and that like was like crazy to me. I that's just it still is. It's like what? That's crazy. Um. So for the next like year and a half, Vince and and Evan and they, they like discipled me. Um, pretty hardcore. I didn't go to college. I was going to go to college for track and field. I like a week before I felt like God was telling me I shouldn't go. I called the coach. I was like, I'm not coming. They're like, what? Um, and we, and so I'm being discipled. I hang out with them. I I'm working. I live in my own apartment. Uh, at the end of 20, what was it at the, at the spring of 2019, which would be, yeah, last year. Um, I'm not going to get into this a ton because we're already pretty far into this podcast. I'm going to try to wrap things up as quick as I possibly can. But we, but I, I'm, I'm a part of crew. I, I lead a Bible studying crew for absolutely no reason. It makes no sense. I sh- nobody who's a new Christian should ever lead a Bible study in anything. But I'm leading a Bible study. I'm in crew. They, they're like, uh, there's one guy named Alex Bell who's very important to me in my faith. Um, he's a he's a crew staff guy, and he was like really great. I met with him like quite often. Really awesome guy. I have a lot of respect for him. And he was leading a uh, missions trip to North Myrtle Beach through crew, a 10 week missions trip. And they were asking me, like, you should come. And I was like, no, I'm not going to that. That sounds weird. Um, and like, I felt like like two weeks before, or three weeks before, I felt like God was like, you got to go on that missions trip. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, OK, I'll go. So I go on the missions trip. And that was one of the worst experiences of my life. I, it was 10 weeks. Um, so much. I could do an entire podcast on that. Um, I will kind of go over the basics. You know about it, John. So I might do a bad job of going over the basics, but basically I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about crew and, uh, I'll just keep it at that. I just learned a ton about myself and a ton about crew after I got back from that. 
Um, I decided I wasn't going to be in crew anymore. I made some good friends there though. Um, and I decided I wasn't going to be in crew anymore. So I quit crew and a couple of my friends quit with me. I got, I, I kind of quit crew. It, it's an interesting, I, I kind of got kicked out of it and I kind of quit. Um, I won't go into much detail there, but I then met like Nick and Mike tried to intern at high point. They were like, no, you're not ready to intern, but they both were like, we're going to disciple you. So, so we, so we started doing that. I started meeting with them and, and Nick, um, basically was like, and Nick and Mike were basically like, you can't, you speak in absolutes. Everything you say is either stupid or you love it or you hate it. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, that's, that's not wrong. Um, and, and they were like, you need to start reading more books so you can have a bigger vocabulary because you sound like an idiot. And I was like, whatever. (laughs) So I, I started reading more books. Um, we started this podcast. Um, you might've heard of it. It's called Optive. Optive theology. Op- oh, so sorry. Optive theology podcast. <laughs> yeah, you're you're fired. Um, and we so so we started doing the podcast, and and I had friends, uh, some really close friends, and they kind of sat me down and told me that they struggle with suicidal thoughts and depression. Um, and I never, it was two two friends of mine, and I never struggled with these things, so I didn't really know how to handle this. And I was like, man, like you guys should like, you know, be discipled by somebody and stuff like that. And they just like one of them signed up for a mentor through High Point and nobody called. So um, anyways, so things got worse between my friendships. I could see them becoming more bitter. And, and at one point, one of them's name was Matt. He he stopped. He kind of stopped being a Christian quarantine hit the coronavirus hit mm-hmm. everybody was quarantined he was kind of stuck in his house downtown he stopped talking to me um and we were very close like me and matt and my other friend spencer hampton were super close friends um and matt kind of stopped talking to me and there's a lot more that went into that don't have enough time to talk about it but um he he i guess uh, he got he got really bad like to he i texted him one night and i was just like hey how's it going because i'd heard that he was not doing well he was drinking doing drugs um he had bought a gun and he was like sending pictures of himself with a gun to people um saying that he saying stuff talking about suicide and i was like texted him one night and i was like hey how's it going and and he was like he was like thought you didn't care about me so we kind of talked through things and i kind of apologized for being a bad friend and I told him that I loved him. And two weeks later, he committed suicide. And that was in March, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think March. And uh, what? Yeah, I think it was March. Yeah, that was in March. And that was that kind of messed me up real bad. I, I think the night after, two nights after, me and John tried to go to Michael's Frozen Custard. It was closed, even though it was supposed to be open. That was weird. That was a bummer. So we went to, we went to Culver's and said, um, and I remember I sat in your apartment for a long time and just cried. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, there's so much wrong with Christians my age. And they don't actually care about the gospel. They don't actually care about Jesus. They just, and there's so much wrong with the church and like feeling like I don't belong in the church and gossip and all this other stuff. And like, and and Matt like committing suicide was was just really hard for me because I was really close to him and I know that if I would have done different things that he wouldn't be 
he probably wouldn't be dead. I know if the church would have done, done different things that he might not be dead. I know like if, if in, and like you can live in that when, when you, when you, when somebody like close to you commits suicide, you it's easy to just start to live there mm-hmm. and just start to, to make that your home and let, and let you just, and, and you just sit there and you just think about all the things that you could have done, should have done, would have done, wish you didn't say, wish you did say. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's kind of what I spent a long time, a lot of time doing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't sleep for like a week at night because it was just like, I, he, he was in the car when he shot himself. And I kept thinking what was in the car with him. I was like, what, what like Satan, like there's demonic, what demonic presence was in the car with him? Like that, that's out there. Like Satan is powerful enough, not only to turn people against each other, but, but to, to turn people against themselves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I think I got a, a dose of reality of like, you're not messing around with, with a puppet. Like mm-hmm. Satan's not a puppet. Satan, his, he's here to kill, like kill and destroy people. Mm-hmm. That is his goal. Like this isn't a joke, um, and it and so through that last and through that time, I I I had this bitter hatred for people and crew because of stuff that I went through in the in the missions trip and just bitter hatred for them and I hated all of them and God was like, listen, dude, like you got to talk to these people, like you got to talk to these crew people that you hate, um. Because even if you don't like their theology and what they do and what they practice, um, which I hate what they do and what they practice at crew, but even if you don't like that, they're still my children and you are too. And you need to, that's your family, whether you like it or not, it's your family. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's cool. Like, like I don't like that, but it's cool. I, I think. And, and he was like, he was like, okay, I need you to go and meet with some of them and apologize to them for the hatred that you have in your heart. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's just stupid, God. Like, <laughs> it's in my head, in my heart. They don't even know. Like, come on. And and he was like, no, 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 you got to meet with them. So I met with a couple of them. There's one. Actually, Jason Horton, met. he, like, texted me, and he was like, can we meet up? And we met for coffee, and I told him, I was like, dude, I, like, hated you, and I'm sorry because I don't even know you. Mm-hmm. And... uh there's examples of that and just having to apologize and having to look at these people of like, like these crew people that I just hated. I was like, these, these people don't love Jesus. And I was like, no, they do love Jesus a lot. In my opinion, they just have absolutely no idea what to do with that. And, but, but the fact the bottom line is that they do love Jesus and I can't. And I, and, and one of the things I think pushed Matt to his edge, to his limit and Matt pulled the trigger. So this isn't, I I don't, I want to say that I'm not, making excuses for Matt's decision. He made his decision and he's, that's how it went. But there's a lot of things that play a role in that. And I think like one of the things that played a role in that was just like the bitterness and hatred that he got from the crew community sometimes. And that he got from our own community. And, and I felt that too. And it's like, and it's like you read, you read in scripture, it's like how the world will know, Christ by the way that the church loves each other. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, that's not what's happening right now. Not even in Madison, not even in high point. Like that's not what's happening. And I was like, if I want that to change, cause I listened to Francis Chan um, thing called reimagining church. And that's basically the only thing that he talks about. It's a good podcast. You should listen to it called reimagining church. Just listen, look it up. 
if that's the goal of the church is to be known by how we love each other, first, it's not a worldly love, but it's a love of Christ. And second, I can't go around and start talking about how screwed up the church is and how much I think it's a complete failure in America unless I'm putting my money where my mouth is and practicing what I believe is to be the way that the church is to represent itself in the world. And so I, this was the hardest thing in the past like year and a half for me is having to like tell people that I'm sorry and try to learn how to love these people because I'm not naturally, I naturally don't want to do that. I naturally want to hate them. So, uh, I'm not. And, and so then my, my friend, you know, I've, my friend likes, my friends have struggled with, with some of the depression stuff and, and yeah, I don't know that it's, it's getting better though. And, uh, my friends are doing a lot better, but it was just hard for a group of us cause we were really close with Matt. And I think, yeah, I'm trying to think of like where I'm going with that, but I, I well, it just opened my eyes to the, to the point of it, like to the point of everything. Like, I I have as much to blame in anything as as anybody else else if not more, and I, and I just like the point of Christianity and the point of the gospel is not to. It's not to create a perfect church or like a perfect system, or a perfect like um, doctrine. It's not to 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 do any of that stuff. It's it's to love people the way that Christ loved us, and Christ says the greatest love is somebody who is willing to sacrifice their life for their friend. Mm -hmm. And maybe I don't have to sacrifice my life, but I, I, I would, I, you know, I want to get to the point where I'd gladly sacrifice anything, including my life Mm -hmm. for my friends. And so I was like, that's, that's what I need to do. And uh, I started, I got accepted to Trinity international university, getting Christian ministries degree, maybe a business degree. Haven't decided. Um, but I'm probably going to go to seminary after that. Do I want to work in the church? Not really. Do I think that's probably what I'll end up doing? Yes. Um, but I, uh, yeah. And I'm, I think like that's the biggest, most recent thing happening is, is Matt committing suicide and like working through that and still trying to mend relationships that I've just destroyed. And like, um, yeah. So that's kind of, I don't want to end it like that because I think that there's a lot to learn from that. It's like, this is the point of the gospel is, is to show people Christ's love and to tell them the gospel and to show them the gospel through who you are and what you say. And nobody's gonna be perfect at that. People are going to make mistakes. Um, but one thing that I've struggled with in the church was like, I feel like people just don't forgive people for their, the mistakes that they make in the mm-hmm. church. And I think as the body of Christ, like a lot of people in the church talking about in local church, big C church, oh, we need revival, we need revival. Well, like good luck with revival when you can't even stop. And I'll tell you this to myself too. You can't even stop with sexual sin and gossip. Good, like good luck. Like we need to get our crap together as a church before we go out and start talking about how we're going to revive everything and we're going to change the whole world. Nobody's going to be want to want to be a part of this family. If, if the, if what, if, if what is from this family, if what you, the outsider sees of this family is hatred, nobody will want to be a part of that. And there's a lot of hatred within the church and there's a lot of hatred at high point and there's a lot of hatred in Madison. 
once we clean that up, then we can start talking about revival, I think. Um, and so right now I'm at the point where I'm like, I need to clean that crap up uh, in my life because an individual thing, I'm going to clean it up in my life. And hopefully somebody next person will see, well, if Andy is so stupid and an idiot and he can do it and he's so screwed up, then I can surely do it. And so there's a, I always read this whenever I share my podcast or my, my testimony, I always, um, read this, uh, so I will, it's, it's from first Timothy. And then this will be the last thing that I say. And then you can say whatever mm-hmm. you want, John. Uh, first Timothy one, 12 through 17. And this is my favorite thing in the Bible. Um, this is the NLT version. Guess what? I don't care if you don't like it. This is the best version for this verse. So suck it. Um, well, first Greek Timothy one version for that verse. Okay. <laughs> this is the best version that I can read. (laughs) (laughs) So here's, here it goes. Uh, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ in my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his of His great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Hmm. Amen. So that's kind of wraps up my testimony so yeah dude i mean i think i think some of the things that that always stick out to me about your testimony are i mean i think i think you do have a strong testimony of just how like you're saying just how important it is to to be marked in the church by love that like and and i think that's i think it's important that even though um like they're there is a way to love somebody even even in Vince's situation without sort of like feeling a lot of hope for it like there's still there's still a way to to yeah. like to show up and to be consistent with somebody and even even if you're like okay god like i i don't see the way out of this for this person like and i need like i need you god to be the person who's who's bringing this person out of this like there's still a way to to love somebody in the midst of that and i yeah that always strikes me like well, the, the way that the way that you came in so hard and like so closed off and so being so uninterested in being there and it was by sort of the persistent the persistent effort of of okay whatever whatever this kid throws at us like we're going to we're going to keep telling him that we love him because we do um and and it is like you were saying like it is also Christ loving him through us um I think it's it's also interesting if you look at like Jesus there, like Jesus, like what's the greatest right. commandment? And he was like, love God and then love your neighbor right. as yourself. Well, like a command, a commandment, like a, com- a commandment isn't something that you, you don't need commandments if you're already right. doing them. Like you don't, like if I'm already doing it, he's not going to need to command me to do it because that'd just be a waste right. of time. It means that like, and this is where I get so sick with, 
with modern Christianity is that people think that they're already capable of loving God and loving other people. Like you're not, you can't do that. You need to practice it. That's what scripture talks about is, and when people talk about, Oh, I need a heart change. I need a heart change. Your heart doesn't change. And until you let Jesus start to change it. And that's usually done through like repetition and practice and practicing loving people because you're not going to naturally want to do it. And that's why it's a commandment. And I think that, I used to say the same thing all the time to John and everybody. Heart change, heart change, heart change, heart change. And I, that's just crap. There will be heart change. Like th- God can make you change like like that. He can make it change like that. Most of the time, that's not how it's going to work. I don't think, I, just from what I've seen and heard from a, a lot of different people, that the command is to love people. You don't naturally do that. You think that you do. You don't. I don't. And so I need to practice that by doing things that I don't want to do. And it's not going to feel sincere or genuine. But the only way that you can get to the point where it will feel that way is if you continue to practice it and 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 allow Jesus to mold your heart in that way because you've already screwed up so bad. Your heart is already so messed up that it's going to take right. a while. Uh, and so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think... I think... Yeah. I think your testimony is is a really cool example of 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 God's love for for us at our worst and um of his persistence in being willing to continue to go after us and and to love us in our frankly in our stupidity like in our in yes. our rebellion and yeah. the ways that we we just think we're so right and we see feel so self-justified and how he's willing to He's willing to, even in the midst of that, keep coming after us. And I think it's, I don't know, like I, yeah. I was just tearing up as you were talking about like the, the point where you kind of made the turn towards, man, the thing that I've been hating this whole time is I've been hating Jesus and to have to, yeah. to have to reckon with that and to have to deal with that and be like, okay, what am I, what am I going to do now? Um, I think that's, yeah. I don't think if I ever, if I never got to that point, if I never got to that realization, I wouldn't have like mm. done anything with my life. I, I think that I'm such an extreme person <laughs> that I needed, I needed to understand the extreme position that I had taken right. on Jesus before I could, before I could take another extreme position right. on Jesus. Cause I, I, w- I went from like hating Jesus to being like, everybody in the world needs to know who Jesus is and like going and like doing crazy mm. stuff. Like not that, not that like, that's like makes me good good at i think i did stupid things through ignorance in christianity and to this day i do but like i because i'm such an extreme person and everything in my life is so extreme god had to extremely show me how much i extremely hated him and i was like i'm extremely grateful for that so uh and and also i want to say i didn't share all the testimony there's quite a bit more of this that I it's, we're at an hour and a half. Like I couldn't share. If you listen to this and for some reason you're interested in hearing more, you can ask me or something, text me or whatever, figure out a way to get a hold of me. I Optum will Network gladly share like all or yeah. Whatever you want to yeah, do. Yeah. Just email me, text me, get my number from somebody, do whatever you want to do. I will gladly share all of it with whoever. Um, if you don't give a crap, that's fine too. <laughs> that is an acceptable <laughs> response. I wouldn't. That is totally acceptable. Yeah. So th- that's just, just out there for people who are like, I want to hear how, um, yeah. I want to get the full experience of stupidity right. here. So. Right. Well, yeah. I think that'll do it for today. Um, 
oh faithful listener please uh subscribe smash that like button that isn't on any podcast app anywhere um hit the bell as well so that you're subscribed whenever whenever we we send out new podcasts tell your friends um yeah if you have any questions anything else that you'd like us to talk about any hard cultural or theological topics that you'd like us to discuss on this, the Optive Theology Podcast, you can send us an email at optivenetwork at gmail.com. We got some good ones coming up. Really good. Boom. You heard it. You heard like it from, really the, good. From, the, from the fountainhead himself. Um, that's so uh, that's it, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one.